The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1973, Part 2. In this episode, we will cover March 17th through April 16th. I can't get over myself, falling into the hands of love. Just can't imagine myself, falling head over heels in love. But when I saw you last night, I knew for the first time. March 17th, the Beatles to record again is the headline that reaches England's newspaper Melody Maker. The story continues. Rumors flash through Los Angeles this week that three of the Beatles have again teamed up for recording purposes. John Lennon, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr are all in Los Angeles with Klaus Vorman, the bassist rumored to replace Paul McCartney after his departure from the group. 
Rumors of a reunion were rising in Los Angeles after the Ringo sessions, while Lennon admitted that anything was possible. Will they ever team up again? It's quite possible, yes. I don't know why the hell we'd do it, but it's possible. You see, it's strange, because at one period when they're asking me, I say, no, never, what the hell, go back, no, not me. And then they came to a period when I thought, well, why not, if, if we felt like making a record or doing something. Everybody always envisages the stage show. To me, if we were, if we were together at studio again, you know, the stage show something else. Go, if we've got something to say in a studio, okay. Now, when I'm saying that, I, I turn the paper and George is saying, not me, right? It's never got to a position where every, every, each one of us have wanted to do it at the same time. George was readying his own negative remarks. The four of us now have had so much time being individuals that we're all so into our own things that it's like one person thinks uh, maybe two or three would think I'd love to do it and the other one would say no, no chance and then by the time he comes around the other ones don't like the idea. I don't see it happening, you know. Even if it did, we'd probably have a, like a 40-piece band. Each one of us would all have our own friends up there. Paul reportedly is considering recording dates with any and all of the former Beatles, but wanted to keep his options open. Meanwhile, interest in the Beatles continues unabated when tonight's edition of the BBC One program, The Sound of Petula, hosted by the singer Petula Clark, pays tribute to the music of the Fab Four. On Sunday, March 18th, at the L Street TV studios in Borehamwood, Hertfordshire, a finale is being filmed for the James Paul McCartney special.
In front of a live audience, Wings perform eight numbers. One, two. After arriving on stage, the group opens up with The Long and Winding Road, with Paul playing piano while Linda takes photographs of the Wings' performance. This is immediately followed by the songs Maybe I'm Amazed, When the Night, The Mess, and My Love. Denny 
Green then takes over lead vocals to perform Go Now, his number one hit single during his time with the Moody Blues. At the conclusion, Paul returns to the microphone to take the lead on High 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 and then Long Tall Sally, which closes the show.
following the taping, Wings, in front of an audience of 200 people who had paid £5 a head, perform at the Hard Rock Cafe in London's Park Lane in Piccadilly for the benefit of Release, a charity that helps drug takers and other young people in trouble. Tattoo. Just had to see it inside of me. You look like a 
On March 19th at Abbey Road Studios, London, Paul and Wings continue their recording sessions for their second album, a follow-up to Wildlife. In New York City on March 23rd, 
U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service Judge Ira Fieldsteel rules that John must leave the United States within 60 days or face deportation. He also makes the decision to grant Yoko permanent residency. Supporting John in this case is Mayor John Lindsay of New York, also Lord Harlech, the former British ambassador in Washington, plus various artists and academics across the country. Judge Fieldsteel, following his decision, announces that one single fact prevents John from being accepted as a permanent resident in America. His conviction in London in November of 1968, John immediately files an appeal. After the hearing, the Lennon's attorney, Leon Wilds, addresses the press. Yoko Ono's application for adjustment of status to that of a permanent resident alien was granted. John Lennon's application for permission to change his status to a permanent resident was denied. Special uh, immigration judge Fieldsteel then authorized the grant of his application for voluntary departure and granted him a period of 60 days to effect his departure from the United States. John Lennon's application was denied because he was found to have been convicted of the crime of uh, possession of can cannabis resin. And uh, under the immigration law, any person convicted of a narcotics offense cannot have his status adjusted. Counsel for the respondents may, if he wishes, file an appeal within 10 days from having service of this decision. The appeal is to the Board of Immigration Appeals in Washington. It's an independent arm of the Attorney General. The Board of Immigration Appeals is not a part of the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Upon leaving the courthouse, John tells the awaiting press, Having just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary, we are not prepared to sleep in separate beds. Peace and love, John and Yoka. On March 23, 1973, Paul McCartney and Wings release a new single on Apple, My Love, backed with The Mess. The song is another McCartney ballad in his successful tradition. Maybe not as good as some, but still it became a large and popular song for him. Written for and about Linda, it captures all of his sentimentality and melodic structure. The only break in the formula was Henry McCullough's biting lead guitar solo in the middle. Paul McCartney. Well, I remember writing this one. I was in on the piano. We made it live in the studios. We had an orchestra there, and I was at playing electric piano. And we'd worked it out. We'd rehearsed it. It was live. That was recorded live. And Henry McCullough. We used to be with the Grease Band. The Irish guitar player there, he comes over to me now, we're ready to go. Just a minute. Um, I hadn't really settled on the solo he was going to do, you know, so I was a little bit wondering whether he was going to pull it off, you know. He came over to me just before the take. He said, listen, you know. He says, do you mind if I just try something completely different? Yeah? Do you mind if I change the solo? So I kind of thought, oh, yeah, this is either going to blow it or this is going to be okay. Not at all. You know, you go ahead. It's okay. How could it help being a number one tune? With its lavish strings and sentiment, it stayed on top the summer through. And actually, it's one of the best solos he ever played. And when I go away, I know my heart can stay with my love. It's understood. It's in the hands of my love. And my love. 
B-side to My Love is The Mess. The song is a live track recorded on August 21, 1972 at The Hague and presents Wings as a professional rock and roll band. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Listen, man, we're going to do one more song and then we're going to take a break. And you are too. Yes, but 
On March 28th, Ringo and his producer, Richard Perry, fly to London. Upon arriving at Heathrow Airport, the two spend the next several days at the Apple Studios in 3 Salvo Row to continue to work on the new LP. Ringo is also scheduled to appear on the BBC TV show, The Russell Hardy Variety Show, on March 29th while producer Richard Perry meets up with Paul McCartney, who has requested his services for help on the soundtrack of James Paul McCartney. Under his arm, Perry is also clutching some of the tapes from the most recent sessions with Ringo in Los Angeles, which include the song I'm the Greatest, for which Perry hopes Paul would contribute to. It is rumored that Perry asked Paul to dub a bass line onto the track, but McCartney declined, stating that Klaus Vorman already had a good bass line on it. Paul did, however, agree to add his contribution to the sessions at a later date. On March 31st, Alan Klein's management contract with Apple Corps and John, George, and Ringo expires and it is not renewed. Klein publicly announces that his Apco company is cutting its links with Apple and John, George, and Ringo. The Alan Klein catastrophe had taken its toll. Derek Taylor, head publicist for the Beatles before Apple began to go sour, could only sigh over the ex-Beatles solo efforts. But at the thought of a reformed group, Taylor's excitement is evident. I listened to a lot of Wings albums and in total didn't enjoy it as much as I'd enjoyed all of Paul's work, Beatle days, though the qualities he had then. Um, more mature, and he can sure string stuff together now with great sophistication. But I'd put, I saw her standing there ahead of anything he's done since the Beatles days. George, I think, has proved his point. I think George is a major musician. I also think he's a major person. John is a delight, and Ringo a revelation. Ringo can pull singles off albums and just run them up the charts. Not because he's a Beatle. That's got nothing to do with it. It's because he's got a musical instinct. I'm very impressed with what they've done. Together, I believe that they would be absolute dynamite. And people would pale and quail before them again. On April 1st in New York City, John and Yoko hold a press conference along with the Lennon's attorney, Leon Wiles, at the New York Bar Association. They are there to announce the birth of their conceptual country, Newtopia. We announce the birth of a conceptual country, Newtopia. Citizenship of the country can be obtained by declaration of your awareness of Newtopia. Newtopia has no land, no boundaries, no passports, only people. Newtopia has no laws other than cosmic. All people of Newtopia are ambassadors of the country. As two ambassadors of Newtopia, we ask for diplomatic immunity and recognition in the United Nations for our country and its people. Utopian Embassy, 1 White Street, New York, New York. Yoko apologized to me afterwards and said, you have to understand when you represent artists, we're not always predictable. I said, maybe not always predictable, but always enjoyable. By the way, 1 White Street in Greenwich Village is a pub. John announces that the national flag will be a tissue. What does the flag mean? What does the flag mean? Surrender and submission. It became clear to me that he was a guy of major principle. And he understood that what was being done to him was wrong. It was an abuse of the law, and he was willing to stand up and try to show it, to shine the big light on it. We go again, again.
been this place before Someone keeps on moving the door Here we go again Everyone's a one-night stand You never really heard the band All I wanted was a thank you man February, the Lennons' apartment on Bank Street in Greenwich Village was broken into while the Lennons were away. This prompted John and Yoko to find a more safe and secure dwelling. They found it on New York's Upper West Side, a 12-room luxury apartment called the Dakota on 72nd Street. When the Dakota opened its doors in 1884, every one of its apartments, 65 in all, were rented. A remarkable fact given that the Upper West Side was almost virgin territory. The name Dakota was chosen by the building's developer, Edward Clark, because it was so far from the bustle of Lower Manhattan that it could just as easily have been on the frontier. Clark, heir to the singer's sewing machine fortune, spared no expense. No two apartments were the same, although each was palatial with high ceilings and floors inlaid with marble, mahogany, and cherry. Despite its opulence, rents were modest, and after World War II, the building was even rent-controlled, all of which made it the perfect home for New York's artistic set. Boris Karloff, Judy Garland, Leonard Bernstein, Lorne Bacall, Roberta Flack, Jack Lemmon, Gilda Radner, and most famously, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. The couple purchased the seventh floor and moved in throughout the month of April. Yeah, something like that. Back in England, Paul and Wings conclude the shooting for the TV special James Paul McCartney at the Elstree Studios.
Also on April 1st, in Los Angeles, at the A&M Studios, George Harrison begins producing Indian artist Ravi Shankar on his new LP. After many Capital Apple business meetings, it was decided to best combat the rapid sales of the unofficial release of the Beatles' Alpha Omega albums to release the two official Beatles' greatest hits double albums. And so, Apple releases the Beatles' 1962-1966 double album package and the Beatles' 1967-1970, also a double album package. 54 classic Beatles songs, plus one additional instrumental by George Martin and Orchestra. They were released on April 2nd in America. It's been a hard day's night. Now available, the only authorized collection of the Beatles. The first two record set encompasses the Beatles 1962 through 1966. I need somebody. Help. He's a real. The second two records set continues with the Beatles 1967 through 1970. These incredible collections totaling 54 tunes have been selected by the Beatles. Available only on Apple Records and Tapes. On April 3rd in New York City, John and Yoko, along with their attorney Leon Wilds, file an appeal against the March 23rd U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service Board in their efforts to deport John Lennon. They hold a small press conference. Even though the deportation order is the top priority for John, journalists still ask him about his separation from Klein. We separated ourselves from him, John replies. Why, asks the reporter. John snaps, why do you think, and then leaves the room. The press conference continues, even in John's absence. A reporter asks attorney Leon Wilds how he felt about the March 23rd rulings. A lawyer's personal uh, uh, feelings are really not uh, relevant at this uh, point. And permit me to say that this is, this is the government's uh, press conference. And I think that Mr. Marx is doing a, a, a very good job with a very difficult task. And uh, I would prefer, uh, truly, to defer any uh, comments on the uh, case until we've had an opportunity to study a very, very 
uh, difficult and carefully written uh, decision and until we've actually determined the course of action. Where are the Lenins now? The Lenins are now on the West Coast. Some of you may recall that the only testimony given in the proceeding was that cannabis resin was not marijuana, nor was it a narcotic drug. We have constitutional arguments. We had arguments uh, which took us 80 uh, pages of an initial brief and then some additional uh, uh, pages later on. And I think it really un uh, unduly impinges upon Mr. Uh, Marx's time. I think this is an opportunity for the press to find out why Mr. Marx's uh, agency, it's not his decision, but why he commenced these proceedings, why the hearing officer came to these conclusions, and I assure you that when we consult with our client and after we've reached the determination, the press will know what action we will take. John and Yoko head to the airport where they board a plane for Los Angeles. On April 6th, with John and Yoko back again in Los Angeles, they give an interview on the current split between APCO and Apple to John Fielding, host of a London weekend television show titled Weekend World. A week ago today, three of the original four Beatles, John, George, Paul and Ringo, finally parted company with their fast-talking American manager, Alan Klein. A highly significant announcement for pop fans because one of the reasons given for the original breakup of the Beatles was that after Brian Epstein's death, John, George and Ringo wanted Klein to manage the Beatles' complex business affairs and disagreed with Paul, who was against Klein and who wanted Lee Eastman, his wife's father, as manager. So, with Klein out of the way, and unanimity on that question at least, is the way now open for a reunion? John Fielding talked to John Lennon and Yoko Ono in Los Angeles. John, can you tell me what happened with Alan Klein? Why did you and the other two try to get, decide finally to get rid of him? Uh, well, there are many reasons to get finally given the push. Although, uh, I don't want to go into the details of it. Let's say that uh, possibly Paul's suspicions were right. And uh, the time was right. Uh, my well, position look, has always been the devil in the deep blue sea. And uh, at the time, I do whatever I feel is right. And although I haven't been particularly happy personally for quite a long time with the situation, I didn't want to make any quick moves. And I wanted to see if maybe, you know, 
something could work out. His contract was coming up for renewal anyway, was it? Uh, the contract expired, I think, in February. And we were extending, at first, on a monthly basis, and then finally on a two-week basis. And then finally, we pushed the boat out. games with you, you know, right. and whatever happened, happened, you know, I'm happy now, and that's, that's about all that is important to me, mm. that I'm enjoying myself. I think we'd all have liked to have settled it as quick and as soon as possible, but I'm hoping, and, and it'd probably be true that, in a way, settling it between ourselves, or because it seemed to be impossible at that period, would be the best way for us just to sit down and say, now what is it and what do you want and for each of us to declare our real intentions. Well, you mean you haven't done that already? Well, A, because we had uh, these people keeping us apart, as it, almost, you know. You That's what it fit. boiled down to, is it? Well, it's like the, when the lawyers come into the divorce, you know, and that makes it a whole different ball game, you know. But you, Although um, we have communicated over the phone in the last year, Paul and I, often. Yeah, I mean, you've been communicating with each other for longer than that, surely, haven't you? In fact, right through all this. Or was there a time when you weren't talking was to a each period. other? Well, it wasn't that we weren't talking to each other. There, there was so much going on, we didn't get a chance, you know. And he was up in Campbelltown. <laughs> Gardening. <laughs> Gardening. Yeah. And he was up there for a long time at one period. Nobody could find, get in touch with him at all. No, so you're hello, still going to have... Just say hello to my auntie. Right. Hello, Mimi, how are you? We're okay. Yeah. Don't worry, and we're eating well. <laughs> and I haven't given up my British citizenship. I just want to live here. That's all. They're always trying to pinpoint what happened, why the Beatles split up, right? Well, the Beatles were splitting up themselves, you know, disintegrating is the word for it. And uh, I think the Klein Eastman situation really pushed it over the hill. You're not saying that you wouldn't have split back no, for no. Klein and Eastman. It's like we were going to get a divorce anyway. It was in, you know, like the marriage wasn't going too well. Not, nothing, you know, you can put your finger on, but the marriage was over. The presumption is, A, that the Beatles would get together again, or uh, even thinking about it. B, that if they got together, John and Yoko split, Paul and Linda split, or now that we've left Klein, that Paul, the rumour now is that Paul's leaving Eastman. It, it just has, it's irrelevant, it's not, to, it's non-sequitur, it doesn't have anything to do with with that decision, and uh, 
But the chances so, of your, your ever performing as a group again are, are in no way enhanced by the present situation, are they? With or without the present situation, the chances are practically nil, although I hate to say definitely anything, because every time I make a definite statement, I change my mind. But I don't have any feeling about it, and I don't think any of the others really do. Because if, you, if, you, if any of you actually remember when we were together, uh, everybody's talking as if it was wonderful all the time, on all the press and everybody and the people all saying how great and wonderful, but it wasn't like that at all. And imagine if they did get together, what kind of scrutiny they'd be under. Nothing could fit the dream people had of them, so forget right. it, you know? Yeah. It's just ludicrous, you know? After leaving the ITN offices in LA, the couple head back to the Beverly Hills Hotel where they were staying for a conversational interview with friend and interviewer Elliot Mintz. Is there any truth to any of those rumors at any time? Incredible in even asking this. Well, actually, we reformed last Saturday. <laughs> no, no. I'm <laughs> lit again. <laughs> you know the rumors. Uh, yeah. Okay. How do you feel about all this? Well, um, by now, some people know that uh, we got rid of. Alan Klein, and uh, that's what started the latest batch, and uh, Ringo was coming to Los Angeles to record his album. George was going to follow on a month later, he would have been arriving this month if he'd come according to his plan to record Ravi Schenker. John and Yoko were coming to LA to promote approximately into the universe. Mm -hmm. So knowing all this and knowing that uh, we had to discuss Paul and Abko Klein, we all managed to come at the same time. And we arrived first because we were doing the album, Yoko's album. <laughs> and uh, George said yes, he'd come early and we all met and then we were all at Ringo's session. 
and uh, some radio station calls the, the guy at the session mm -hmm. and he said, well, some of them are here or some jazz like that and that then it all started that again and then there was rumour that Paul was coming because he's got his TV show to promote and his new album coming out so if he can get in, in the States he'd obviously come and plug it so between the, all that, that's how it started and uh, that about covers it really would you, would you be prepared to, to make the statement that under no conditions would you ever want to become a Beatle again and reform the group and for the four of you to go out and make records and sing? Well, that's how I feel, but I hate to say never, 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 because, you know, it's just sort of negative, but I honestly, in my heart of hearts, don't ever, ever see wanting to do that again in any form whatsoever. And just to be rational about it, if you think of, when the Beatles were together at the end, or even at their heyday, you know, but at, at the end as well, it wasn't like everybody was saying, aren't they wonderful, and every single we put out sold a million or whatever it was. Some did better than others, and some albums did better than others. And it wasn't heaven, right? I mean, in that respect, like everybody's... Were number one. Well, there, there were a lot of them, idea, a lot of them, but not <laughs> that many. I mean, enough, you know. But I mean, it wasn't like, it's all in people's heads now. It's ten years or whatever since it all happened. And you can imagine if we got together, when you just look at the birds, mm. they got together for that album, big hullabaloo, they've split again. Uh, apparently, I didn't hear the album, so I don't know, but everybody knocked it in the reviews as far as I can gather. And uh, it's exactly what would happen to the Beatles. Everybody would say it's not good enough because they'll have this wonderful dream of how it was. And it'll never be like that because it never was like everybody thinks it was. It was wonderful and it's over. Two weeks ago, you fired Alan Klein. Why, why, why did you fire him and uh, under what circumstances did that come about? Well, it's a bit delicate these things because you don't know what the ensuing legal situation might be. But unsatisfactory is the answer to that. And uh, that's about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that clears all that up. But that, that answers that one, yeah. Everybody knows that, that while you've been in L.A., uh, you've, you've had these extensive business meetings having to do with... Uh, with well, maybe everybody doesn't know, you know. Well, it's been published oh, I mean, I in Stone that, that business meetings oh, been yeah. going on. Could you publicly discuss the nature of any of those meetings or what kind of well, business? There's been so many. On the one hand, there was the George, John and Ringo discussing Klein. That was that, that going on one hand. On the other hand, I was being sued by Northern Songs, MacLen and all those for writing with Yoko or whatever. That, that was a separate thing going on. I was doing depositions with Yoko. And then there was the actual physical, how Apple would, because it has all this product coming out, you know? It has, at the time it had Yoko, George, Paul, Ringo, in the pot, as it were, and how to uh, keep that all moving mm. while we, we didn't have the Abco Enterprises. And uh, as has been subsequently shown, it went on smoothly. And there was just a lot of day-to-day -day business to go on and a lot of writing of letters and informing people and accountants and lawyers from London to handle the London end. So it was just just business, business, business. Busy, 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 as Mr. Leon, or whatever he calls himself, would say. 
John was referring to Leon Wilds, the attorney who was handling another brewing legal battle, Lenin's fight with U.S. immigration authorities to stay in the States. Oh, on, on the top of that we had immigration, yeah. My name's Uh Yeah, I, that was going to be the, the next thing that I was going to inquire about. Uh, people know about the public statements you've made concerning the immigration yeah. thing. As things stand now, uh, neither of you believe that you're going to be leaving the country within a short period of time, do you? No. Well, we have a positive attitude, you know, and we don't allow for even thinking we'll be thrown out. So, in that, in light of that statement, I would say we're going to stay. On April 7th in Los Angeles, at Ringo's invitation, John and Yoko attend their first Hollywood party together. It was a fundraiser hosted by Universal Executive Jennings Lang for American activist and former United States military analyst Daniel Ellsberg, who had just turned 42 years old. One night Ringo called and says, Oh, I'm going to a party in this Burt Lancaster and um, Rod, Steiger. Rod Steiger and Kirk Douglas. And we said, Oh, wow, let's go and see them before they pass away. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing personal there. You know, because they're very great people. You know? And we wanted to, we're groupies like everybody else. You know? And then Ringo said, it's for something political. But I said, well, what is it? What is it? He says, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He says, it's just a party, because Ringo's a party goer, you know. <laughs> Whereas we're not quite that keen on them, but we go occasionally. And uh, I threw the I Ching just to see, you know. On the party? I, yeah, because I, I couldn't work out. I thought, well, if it's, if it, what kind of political thing? It must be Save the Swans on Malibu <laughs> Beach or something, you know. I couldn't think what it could be. I had yeah. no idea what it was. And I think through revolution or molting, I thought, what's this? You know, why is it? What? Why, why is it such a heavy sort of? Uh, what, what do you call it? Pentagram? No, what's that? Well, whatever it was, heavy thing that it was. And uh, I found out this for Daniel Ellsberg as we left for the party. I thought, oh, amazing! You know, I might be saying I don't believe in it, but it was certainly very freaky the way it came out to that. You know? <laughs> and so we went, and there was. Barbara Streisand singing and people phoning in and giving them money for the whatever the, the cause, Pentagon you know. Papers. Same to you. No, no, and no, people say, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you sing Melancholy Baby. And somebody <laughs> says, I'll give you five thousand if you don't. <laughs> and it was a pretty good party, actually. As they go, you know. And uh, we ogled all the famous stars and we're ogled back and that was it. Give and take. Mm. How, do you, how do you relate to? Uh, have the, both of you gone to many of those Hollywood type parties, or in New York? Have you gone to many celebrity studied parties? We don't really do it usually, too. No, you know, I think in Hollywood it's there's more of it. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, we've never been to anyone before. And what were your impressions? Did you have fun? Did you dig it? Was it boring? Well, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's interesting to see all those famous people. You know, obviously, you know, we're, we're like public too. We were just sitting and saying, there's Bert Lancaster. Oh, he's got his glasses on like JJ in the film. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Rod Steiger. You know? But we were doing that. How do most of those people relate to, to the two of you, Hollywood movie star types? Well, we didn't actually meet them, did we? Well, some of them we've met, and they were all very, very nice, you yeah. know. There was lots of other people there, but I can't remember the names because we were hung up on the, those mm -hmm. ones when we kept mm -hmm. those we didn't, it wasn't there, I don't think. Well, the rock stars, you know, we're sort of, we're used to them, you know, we always sort of run into each other and all that. But this was something else, you know, film stars, you know, we, we think of it as something mm. different, you know. 
On April 12th, the film That'll Be the Day, starring David Essex and Ringo Starr, premieres in London. Ringo was readying a few fireworks of his own with a co-starring role in That'll Be the Day, a film semi-fictional history of British rock roots. Ringo was always looking for that perfect part. I'd love movies. You know, I've got myself an agent now, as they say. And uh, we're going to try and get me into movies. Because a lot, I'm offered a lot of movies, movies I don't want to do, you know. I just want to roll now with meat in it, you know. I mean, just something I can try and act to the best of my ability, but not like a wander through because you're Ringo and we'll have your name up, which is silly because I don't think I'd drag anyone into the cinema. Acting with David Essex of Rock On fame, Ringo performed genuinely and got great reviews for his characterization of a 50s greaser, obviously reflecting his own past for the role. On the same day, Paul, Linda, and their family take a vacation in the Caribbean. It was on this trip in Jamaica that McCartney met actor Dustin Hoffman, who asked Paul one evening how he writes his songs. Paul responded by writing a few quick lines based on a magazine article on the painter Picasso. Dustin Hoffman explains what happened. Somehow we got into a conversation about Picasso, because Picasso had just died, I think, a, a few weeks before. Paul asked me why I liked Picasso so much, aside from just admiring his work. And, he was kind of a, a creative icon of mine, and I said, I, I just felt, beside the, the fact that he was always, he was always working in New Edge, and I talked about Picasso's, because I'd read all about his last days before he died. I think he was 91 or 92 years old when he died. He had this ritualistic life, and he would then kind of walk about, go through the garden, walk, see, look at nature, and then around 3.30 in the afternoon, he would go to work in his studio, and he would work straight until midnight. And at midnight, he would have his big one meal of the day. And I think it was outdoors at, at that time. And he would have his friends about him, maybe whatever it was, 10, 15 people, uh, at this long table. And they would eat and drink and wine. And, and then afterwards, he, he would go back into his studio again and work until 3.30 in the morning. And I was telling Paul all this, and at the night before, he said a rather prophetic thing, and he said it in French. He raised his glass to the people at the table at the conclusion of dinner to toast himself. And in French, he said to his friends, drink to me, drink to my health. You know I can't drink anymore. And I was so struck by that sentence that I thought, well, he must mean that he can't drink anymore because he doesn't want to get too high uh, because he has to go back and work. And in some strange way, you know I can't drink anymore also means it's the last time I'm going to be doing this with my friends because I'm going to die in a few hours. And I was saying this all to Paul McCartney. He just started strumming and I swear by all that's holy <laughs> that he began singing this song of the story that I had just told him about Picasso. It just came out of him. Drink to me, drink to my health. You know I can't drink anymore. Three o'clock in the morning. It's, it's right under childbirth in terms of great events of my life.
The McCartneys return on Sunday, April 15th. The next day, Paul and Linda joined Ringo at Apple Studios in 3 Savile Row, London. For the first time in three years, the two former Beatles record again. They work on a song written by Paul titled Six O'Clock. Pages two. One, two, three, four. Six o'clock in the morning, you just gone to sleep. I wipe a tear from my You can't be the kind of company I keep That keeps me asking You keep me asking You keep me wondering why After the session, Paul added the finishing touch, a mouth kazoo, onto the Robert Sherman and Richard Sherman song, You're 16. At the completion of the session, Ringo sends his chauffeur out to find some tap dancing shoes. On his return, Ringo puts on the shoes and whilst clutching a microphone stand, records the step dancing tracks used for the song Step Lightly. that the Beatles were for all practical purposes dissolved, it was okay for Apple to put out two double albums of the Beatles' best, which incidentally appeared just after an unauthorized American package hit the stands. Dividing the group's career into two productive periods, the double sets cover 1962 to 1966, and then 1967 to 1970, ending appropriately with a trip down the long and winding road, only to be continued on McCartney's Red Rose Speedway. Coming up in a moment, under his formal title of James Paul McCartney, Paul appears in pink satin splendor on a showy television spectacular. Next on Yesterday on Today.
information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6 dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I Family Podcasts. Yeah. Keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. Alright. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.